Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce field podcast, the show dedicated to helping seven-figure plus joiners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. I'm your host, Andrew Yadarian, and today's discussion was one of the, probably the most fun I have had on a podcast in a while. Joined by Leanna Patch from PunchlineCopy.com, and if I had to summarize it, we talked about how not to be boring on your website, like how to have fun with your website, how to sell through humor, through interesting copy, through standing out, because it's a huge competitive advantage if you can do it. It's hard to do well, obviously, not a lot of people do it, but if you can pull it off, you have a huge advantage in the marketplace. So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about, we dissect some really entertaining copy Leanna worked on recently with some ECF members uh, and, and the difference that made in terms of their conversion and their sales. We talked about the process, how she how she went through that. We talk about different processes in terms of keyword research, like how, how do you, you research copy from a very analytical standpoint? How do you do it from more of a, an emotional standpoint? And some of the places where on your website, you can kind of spruce things up, have fun, some examples of, of websites that are doing things differently that stand out and help them uh, connect with customers. One, you're going to learn some stuff. Two, you're just going to have fun. At least I had fun. You might not like listening to me. You'll enjoy listening to Leanna because uh, she's a hilarious. She spoke at ECF Live this year. There may or may not, I'm a little spoiler here, there may or may not be a live pun war at some point in this episode. I can't, I, can't, I mean, rumors I've heard. So anyway, it's not a boring episode, at least listening to her. So stick around. Quickly before we jump in, I want to give a big thank you to two sponsors who make the show possible. First to the team over at Clavio. What are the fastest, best e-commerce brands today have in common? I don't know. That sounds like Eric Banholtz over at Beard Brand. If you don't know him, you should. He's a pretty stellar dude, has an amazing company, and was recently on their Ready, Set, Grow, which is actually kind of a cool double entendre for him, given his you know incredible beard. Their webisode series. I highly recommend it. Check it out. You can see the episode with Mr. Banholtz, a uh, good ECF member and friend uh, at ecommercefuel.com forward slash beard. And if you don't know who Clavio is, they make world-class email marketing software. Let's see, build these incredible flows that automate and personalize your marketing to pretty much print you money while you sleep once you set it up. It's pretty cool. So you can learn more about them and get started for free at clavio.com forward slash ECF. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash ECF. And then secondly, a big, big thank you to the team over at Liquid Web, who I use to host all of my infrastructure that's not hosted where I need a VPS. And they're great for hosting in general, but if you use WooCommerce, you really should pay attention because they've got a incredible world-class hosted solution to make running and hosting WooCommerce less of a headache. In fact, not a headache at all. They streamline the upgrades. It's scalable. It's it's secure and it's architected from the ground up to make WooCommerce just fast and just pleasure to use. You know, so if you're tired of WooCommerce, you probably haven't used them on Liquid Web. So check them out. You can get started with them and learn more about them at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. Let's jump into my discussion about how not to be boring with your website and in copywriting in general with Leanna Patch. Leanna, we got all sorts of fun copy rabbit holes I want to dive down, humor in marketing, lots of fun stuff. Potentially a pun war rumored coming at the end, I'm not sure. I want to start with something we were talking about when we were kind of chatting before we hit record, and that was how you started speaking about you've you've been speaking you spoke at ECF live this last year you've been uh, it seems like doing a lot of conferences fantastic talk by the way like super hilarious and entertaining which shouldn't be surprising given that you know you're in the humorous copy niche but you delivered very very well 
And what was it? You, you told me that the reason you got into it was you kind of went to conferences and you're like, man, a lot of these talks are just, I could do a lot better. These are not that great. And what, like, what do you think, what do you think when you go to a conference talks, what are some of the commonalities or the things that you see that happens over and over and over again that like should not happen in conference talks? And what do you think makes a really good conference talk? I'm maybe a little selfish here for someone who runs a conference, but I'm going to subject everyone else to that because I'm curious. Well, the thing that that breaks my heart is when I go to see a presentation and it's clear that this person knows what they're talking about, is passionate about their subject matter, but they're so uncomfortable on stage. And that just is so distracting. So it was kind of that combination of like, okay, I have things to teach and I want this to be a performance, you know, that people can enjoy. So like, I'm not distracting from what I'm teaching you while I'm teaching it. And if I am distracting you, it's because I'm trying to make you laugh. Yeah. So how do people, how do people get better at that? Is it, I mean, obviously you can just, you know, terrify yourself and like, like anything with practice helps, but for people that, and maybe this, maybe there's a good segue into, to, to what we're talking about in general, can people that aren't, who don't consider themselves funny by default become funny? Like, is it a learned skill or is it an intrinsic thing? I mean, I think some people have it intrinsically, but I think other people can learn it for sure. Um, and if it, if it's, Oh my God, Kat, be quiet. I'm on a phone call. <laughs> if it's a conference presentation, I think it's a lot of mindset stuff where, you know, it's a, it's a trick, right? Like get up on stage and pretend that you're just talking to your best friend at the back of the room or you're not anxious, you're excited. So some of those transferring your stage fright things in your head into something that actually helps you deliver, it's kind of important. And that's like the performance aspect of it. But in terms of being funnier, like, yeah, everybody likes to laugh. Everybody makes jokes. I have met people that are like, I don't like jokes. And I'm like, we will not be friends. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're not going to be hanging out. But you can you can be an engaging presenter without being funny. You know, there are lots of really serious talks that are riveting. And I don't know how to give those, so I won't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel, it's funny. I don't know if you've ever done this. I think you're probably funny all the time. On the rare chances I feel like I'm funny, which is 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 not very often, it's always when I'm with people or in circumstances where I feel very comfortable. And then anytime you get nervous or you feel self-conscious or any of that, your ability to kind of, because a lot of humor, it seems like it comes off, the good the good stuff comes off the cuff. It flows naturally. It's it's very in the moment. And it's really hard to do that when you're not comfortable. So yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Have you had, would you say that's fair? That's a huge part of it. I mean, you know, that, that comes back to that performance aspect, right? And I think, okay, if there are people who are trying to get better at being on stage and or being just funny in the moment, go take an improv class because you start to make those connections in your brain. Like you start to be able to uh, come up with something weird or, or point out the weird or unusual thing or just heighten something to its limit. But yeah, you can't do it if you're not comfortable. And I've, that's, that's my MO when I try to go on stage. Like I know that I'm not going to do my best if I don't feel comfortable. So it's my job to try to relax. And I have terrible stage fright. You, so you do. You So what do you do? Like, are you like taking shots of whiskey behind, you know, before you're on stage? What, what's what, I mean, you talked about like the mindset of, uh, are you really doing that? Actually, no, for sure. Way? Yeah, I did that before my talk at ECF. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that now. I totally had a flask in my backpack. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's not, if you have a problem, seek help. It does, I mean, you know, if, Somebody told me this long ago. Uh, I was going to a mentorship session. And I was like, how do I network? I hate people. And he was like, do you drink? And I was like, this is going somewhere. And he was like, just take a drink before you go to an event. And I was like, in retrospect, that was a really weird piece of advice to give to like a 21-year-old girl. But, you know, it helps a little bit. It can take the edge off. If you know that it does that for you, 
try it, but also stand in those silly power poses, do some deep breathing, remind yourself that you're actually there talking about something that you are really passionate about. And like, people want to see you succeed. I think that's the biggest thing about audiences. Nobody wants you to go up there and fail unless you have your arch nemesis there, in which case, like, why did you invite them? Or are they crashing your conference? And that's a whole different thing that we could get into. <laughs> I love it. Now that we've both A, caused a large portion of the audience to relapse. And secondly, we probably yeah. lost half the people who aren't going to speak conferences. <laughs> we can get into yeah. what the title was. It's all my fault. Now that no one's about, listening anymore. <laughs> about writing copy. So I want to I want to start talking about copy. Uh, and maybe we can kick things off with a case study from a brand that is part of ECF. Jonathan and Michelle, uh, Manly Bands, really cool company, great people. It's a company you've worked with, Michelle and Jonathan. It's their company. They uh, are ECF members, uh, great people. And you had this, this case study where there's a ring that you rewrote the copy for. And I just want to read it to give people a sense of like what fun, engaging copy looks like, and then also potentially what it could do for your conversion and, and, uh, and sales. And so it's a ring. It's called the Journeyman. And kind of for the, the high-level details, it says, Grandpa, where'd you get this dope ring? And can we have it? Sincerely, your future heirs. Meet the Journeyman, one of our favorite rings here at Manly Bands. The details. We can't legally tell you that John Wayne wore this ring. Well, because it's A, not true. And also because he died before we started Manly Bands. But we're pretty sure he would have. This is a nod to the good old days. This ring is when all you needed was a reliable horse, a jug of whiskey, and a starry night as your starry night sky as your blanket. And, and just, it's fun. It's kind of cheeky. And, you know, it sounds like when you when you do that copy, it increased the add the carts by 200%. Purchases went up by 20%. You had another one that was similar kind of makeover that the add the carts went up a bunch and purchases went up by 100%. So you pretty much doubled purchases on there. And so, yeah, maybe we can talk quickly about, uh, like, how do you get there? When you do something like that, what's the process that you went through with with the team over there all the way from the beginning to to getting to the point where you rewrote that and saw the the, uh, the increase in, in conversions, I know that's a high question, and we don't have to maybe go super deep. But at you know high level thirty thousand foot bullet bullet point process, what did you do to get to that end result? Yeah, well, I will say first. So the beginning of what you read was the journeyman, and then I think you moved on to the cowboy, which is another one of the rings. But I actually rewrote five ring descriptions for them. They came to me and they were like, "We know that there's an opportunity with our copy. We think copy is the thing that could keep that could." increase conversions on our uh, product pages. Right now, the copy is kind of short. It's just little nubs, but we want to be like the Dollar Shave Club of wedding rings. And how can you bring personality and fun to these rings? And I was like, okay, well, any, is there anything off limits? Like, what do you guys, you know, that's, that is one of the big questions that I had for them. Like, what do we want to do? And they were like, well, our brand is very inclusive. We don't want to say like, this is just for men or just for women. Like it can be for anybody. So like, don't exclude people in the copy. And like, of course I'm not ever trying to do that. But then from there, it was like, really just kind of have fun with it. And so I, I kind of did an improv exercise with all of the products where it was like, you know, who is the person that this would be the best for? And like at their absolute most ridiculous. Like if we reduce them to a line drawing of themselves, what would they be doing? You know, would they be driving a convertible around Milan? How do we create aspirational, but so far out there that you won't really take it seriously copy that people will walk away from and remember. And like, as they're reading it, they're entertained. And so they walk away and they're like, that was really fun. Like, I kind of want that ring. I, I like the people behind this store. Yeah. So many times it's, 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 it's not even about selling features and stuff, but if you read something and it makes you laugh and it makes you feel like 
if you had this, you would be just kind of a cooler person. That sounds terrible. And I think a lot of people, including myself, who'd like to think I'm all above advertising and marketing and, and I'm way too intellectual for that. It's shocking how, how that, that works even still for, for people that you wouldn't think it would. So are you, you trying to sell? Are you trying to more entertain? Or are you trying to paint like a picture of like, if you put on this ring, you're going to be a pretty awesome John Wayne cavalier, kind of just like, you know, the men all want to be you, the women all want to be with you. Like, is that what, what's the, are, or, or a mix of the both? I think it's a mix of the both, but I also think it's about just showing them that, you know, if the experience of reading this is fun, then the product itself is going to be really good. So like if you start from the beginning with, you know, having a great time reading this product copy, buying it is probably going to be fun. Getting it delivered is going to be fun. Like wearing it, you already have a good story the moment it arrives at your house because you're like, oh man, this ring caught my eye on Instagram. And it was, you know, I went to the page and like just really enjoyed it and felt like it was, I was going to have a good time. Even if I don't, you know, ride horses or like play guitar. How, how long would it take? And obviously I'm guessing inspiration strikes you brilliantly sometimes and you write just some of your best copy in a flurry of you know two to three minutes other times i'm sure you're looking at products and you're just like why did i take this client this is horrible but on average like to write good copy if someone's sitting down they're like i want to revamp the copy on my own and make it fun and interesting and snarky and entertaining for my top 10 best products is that something that you think like okay that's like a day's worth of work? Or is that like, you know, to really do that well, it's going to take a couple weeks of really, you know, really putting at it. Like how long does good copy take? I would say it usually takes less than a day. You know, that's me. Like I'm, I think I just sort of gravitate toward these brainstorming exercises that help me come up with an angle, maybe more quickly than other people would. And I'm not sure. But I think the key is once you have that flurry of inspiration, which happens sometimes, especially with fun products like this, where it's like, just go crazy. You have to come back to it later with fresh eyes and say, okay, what's actually not serving our ultimate goal, which is conversions? Like, where do I have to kill the joke? Where should I cut? And, you know, where, if I'm keeping a joke, is it not quite there yet? Or does it need to be a little bit more exaggerated so that it's clear it's a joke? So like, there's that editing process that you have to put time in between. But in terms of just getting the first draft down, like, oh, sometimes it's like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say a day, you could potentially, maybe maybe it's a, fair to say for a first, if you're redoing your top 10 products, for some fresh copy, you could do a draft in a day for all 10 of them. Is that fair? That might be a lot because you you do start to get fatigued and you'll slowly like have the same ideas and approaches and maybe product description number ten is not quite as brilliant as the first one, but I want to like I want to talk about a couple of the the exercises that I find myself doing because it's just really fun to sit down with a blank sheet of paper or Google Doc and be like, what's weird about this? Like, what are some people's objections to this product? What is a way that this would be used that you'd never think of? You know, like what what jokes can we make about the materials? You know, if there's if there's dinosaur bone in it, like, did the dinosaur give consent? You know, how old was it? Like, <laughs> what bone is it? It's the dinosaur's funny bones. This ring will make you laugh. I don't know. Just like going, giving yourself permission to go off, play in the filigree, which is how an improv teacher of mine used to describe it. Uh, and then coming back to the ideas that most entertain you and using those as a basis. If you're just writing from scratch and you're not writing from customer research, and those are wildly different approaches, right? Maybe we can come circle back around to that just in a minute. But so when you get that first draft, let's say you get a first draft, how often do you, obviously you're in a little, you know, slightly different position than someone who's running for their own store, but how important is it to run the copy by 
by people. I mean, you think about stand-up comedians and even the biggest names like, you know, guys like Seinfeld, when they're when they're working through new material, they do it in these kind of like from my very limited understanding of the uh, the stand-up world of which you have a much better one. They do it in like podunk clubs, they do it in small places because they they don't know like is this new stuff really funny or is it going to bomb and make them look horrific? And so they have to work it out kind of like in secret before they kind of bring it out into the limelight. How important is it to to run that first draft by people and see if it gets the reaction you hope it does? I think it's important. It's it's definitely important to get feedback, period, like from stand-up and copy, from stand-up to copy whenever, whenever, wherever. I cannot say whenever, wherever without turning into Shakira. Sorry. You know, with with stand-up, I think the the fun part for me is taking a bit that I think is funny, doing it on stage and seeing what I ad lib in the moment because I'm not writing all the filler pieces. And those usually become part of the joke. Like sometimes I'll say something funny that becomes part of the joke that I would never have predicted. And with copy, I think my main goal with getting getting feedback is, you know, okay, is it, is it funny? Yes, but also is it getting across what it needs to? And that's where I have to combine the personality approach, the fun approach with the product details. Like, is this actually telling you what you need to know about this ring or about this sprinkler head, which is another product that I wrote for actually somebody in the e-commerce field community. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, Andy Humphrey, I wrote for his sprinkler company. You know, is it is it actually doing what it needs to do as a piece of marketing collateral? So you've talked a lot too about a different approach. This approach we just talked about was where you're kind of just, you're you're riffing on different ideas. It's very creative. It's very focused on entertainment with also, you know, trying to consider some of the product features. But there's a whole different approach that you sometimes take and talk about as well. That's much more based on research, looking at the what words and phrases customers use to describe either the product or the problem they're trying to solve. And so you can really dial in on the exact language that's going through their mind. And some, in some cases, it's pretty obvious which one those takes, you know, if you're selling some kind of like medical cream versus, you know, uh, gag toys or something, that's, that's, that's pretty obvious. But what about, like, how do you decide which one to, which one to go with? And when do you go with, the, especially as someone who loves humor so much, loves like, you know, having a good time, like, when does it make sense to go with the, the slightly more serious research-driven approach? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be a mix. There's always going to be a mix of, of conversion, qualitative research, and fun, punchy copy. Hopefully, you know, if, I, if I'm not writing one of those two, then something bad has happened. It's usually clients who kind of decide that before they come to me. They know that they want to have a brand voice that distinguishes itself through copy. Then they come to me and they say, like, we want to be, we want to have more fun. Here's our sense of humor. Let's try it out on this project. And that's kind of how I would advise if you're trying to go for that bigger brand voice shift, try it out in your emails first. You know, don't just go whole hog with the rebrand before seeing what what actually works for your audience. But then there are people who who really aren't interested in being a personality in their brand. Uh, and they maybe are in like super competitive consumer product spaces like the mattress space. And that's where, you know, you could go to all these memory foam mattress sales pages and they all kind of say the same thing. So that's where looking into that customer research and pulling out actual phrases that people say will set you apart so that you're the mattress page somebody remembers. And the example that I always give for this, having worked for a few mattress companies myself, four of them, oh I think, goodness. maybe five. Oh my goodness. I know, like I'm, I'm mattressed out. <laughs> it, somebody, somebody wrote, this bed is so comfortable, I literally want to be buried on top of it. And I was like, cool, that's a headline. Like I'm, I'm putting that on the page because I will never forget that. Uh, you won't see that on any other mattress company's page. So it's always, you know, TLDR, it's always a mix 
but I let the client guide it. And when clients give me free reign or they're really excited about the process and they're really excited about having fun and like entertaining their customers, then that's usually when I do my best work. Yeah, it seems like there's some niches. Like, I mean, if you're doing like high-end estate planning in the Hamptons, probably not, you know, may, maybe keep it a little more professional. But I feel like 90% of people selling stuff out there, their website, the experience, the rapport you build with the customer would be so much more fun and enhanced. It's it's it would be a net positive to to work in some some humor, some comedy, some brevity. Why is everyone like why are so many sites so boring? And I I mean I I'm not, I'm not lumping myself out of there too. I mean, I think about my some of my my product pages, not product pages, but websites and and things and they're not nearly as fun as they could be. Like is it do you think do you, how how much of it is do you think we're scared of offending people or bending the mold and so we don't do anything interesting? Is that a huge part of it? Yeah, for sure. And I I think there's a few different reasons why we end up with kind of like meh copy, uh, no matter if it's on like the website or the landing pages or the Facebook ads or the emails. Yes, we're afraid of offending. Maybe we're not uh, professional writers so that when we sit down to write, we sort of go back to college when we wrote, you know, persuasive essays with a five sentence paragraph structure and like exposition is the name of the game. We're like, oh, this is, I am writing now instead of just talking on paper other you know there are other reasons and one of them just went right out of my head uh, <laughs> but it'll come back to me i think there there's a lot of and yeah there's a lot of fear like oh well everyone else seems to be doing it this way that must be the right way right so like why would i try it differently i'm afraid yeah and you've got i mean you talk about not just doing it on your major homepage and your sales pages, but working in some of this fun, cheeky, interesting copy all over the place where you wouldn't expect. I mean, you mentioned your presentation, like your shipping policy, your 404s, your footers, your photo captions, you know, Easter eggs throughout the website. And I feel like sometimes that's some of the best that I notice. Like, obviously, when it's on the homepage or it's, it's, it's front and center, it's always fun to read. But when you catch something like, in a really small tucked out of the way place that isn't and it's still funny and you notice like they're being entertaining in a really tiny out of the out of the out of the way place like for some reason you just even more pleasure and being like oh i caught this and it was awesome yeah you know it feels like winning yeah, yeah. so when, so easter eggs like can you you mentioned easter eggs i think in your presentation or your slide deck at least what can you give me give people a few examples of kind of some of those things where people could think about putting them that you know you're not there's only going to be maybe five or 10 people a month that see it. But when they see it, they're going to be like, I'm spending all of my money with these people because it's such a cool experience. So can you share some of those? Yeah. One of the ones that comes to mind is actually somebody who is on my email list and has been for a while and emailed me a while ago. And he's a, a French fashion designer and he makes <laughs> pins. Yeah. And you know, he's got a gorgeous, like very elegant website. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a tiny little link in the footer that says, whatever you do, don't click this. Uh, <laughs> and obviously you click it and it says, you rebel, you, you know, I like the way you think, take 10% off with this code. <laughs> and so it was just like, oh, like more, give me more. <laughs> and I think so few people are doing that, but you have those opportunities everywhere. Like you're shipping confirmation emails. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Manly Bands. Like that product description is probably the first experience somebody has with your brand. If you continue that and you you show that you pay attention to every single aspect of that customer facing experience so that like, you know, they buy something and they don't just get the default Shopify order confirmation, but they get something that's like, 
you rule. We're so excited. Like we're boxing this up for you. You continue to build that relationship with them. You know, it builds trust. It builds loyalty. Like people want to come back. Yeah. What about some of the things that you hate, like horrifically bad things that people do? And I'm, I'll kind of, I'll kind of lobby a softball here. You can maybe, you know, use it to, to kick this off. But some of the cliches that you mentioned that people have, like things like the words, the phrases, exclusive offers or highly valued customer or to serve you better. There was one you had, you had like a Lindor chocolate ad. And <laughs> this, <laughs> this is so funny. I think they're describing chocolate and the phrase they use is it gently caresses all of your senses. You know, and like that's not cliche, but it's so bad and so over the top that it's just like, no, don't do it. So any others that you can you throw out there, you maybe use that as a riffing point, but what do people do that are it's just like, don't do this. No, if this is on your copy, just get rid of it. I think the worst culprits in this are luckily not e-commerce companies, but like B2B, like enterprise software platforms where they have all of those meaningless terms like cutting edge and leading edge and we're going to up-level your whatever. And it's anything, like if you can go through your copy with a critical eye, look at a phrase or a sentence and be like, but what does that actually mean? then you should cut or rewrite that. So it's it's meaningless phrases, it's cliches that we kind of turn to because they're right there. But if you think about them, they don't import anything. They're not teaching us anything. So cutting those is, is so important. And it doesn't happen as much in e-commerce because we, we know, like we need to focus on what the product does and how it will improve your life. But I still see things like that sometimes. Oh, you know what? You know what is a terrible e-commerce example? And I won't name the company, um, but I'm going to pull them up right now to read you some descriptions. E-commercefuel.com. <laughs> so just pulling up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, no. Uh, I'm literally, I'm just going to this furniture website and I'm going to click a random chair and I'm going to click on one of the colors. Click, click, click. Here is a, a fabric color called Lucky Turquoise. Listen to this description and tell me what it means to you. Lucky is a woven chenille-like fabric jet-dyed to offer unique color variation paired with a textured finish. The result is a striated effect that lends visual interest as well as durability to this fabric. It sounds like the fabric version of a wine bottle. You know, like yeah. when people describe a wine, it sounds exactly like that except for a fabric. That's actually one of their better ones, but like, what <laughs> is, you know, when you're describing a color, why would you say... This lends visual interest. You know, you would say you can't help but look at it. You know, the more you look at it, the more interesting it gets. If you don't know what chenille is, why would you say chenille like? What if the reader doesn't know what chenille is? Why do we care that it's jet dyed? I have no idea why I should care. I, I barely I barely can remember what the color turquoise is, let alone chenille, right? Like, yeah. Like, dude, it's turquoise fabric. It's got some stripes on it, basically. I think I think I think this is a potentially a, a good candidate for a lead. You need to reach out to these people. Oh God, I think they were just actually bought by a giant furniture corporation, so I probably won't. But uh, <laughs> but I have I have uh, screenshotted them and sort of dragged them on social media before, which is not not a way that I get clients. Shockingly enough, <laughs> uh, Leah, this this is such good stuff. So if people, you know, if people have tried taking the shots of whiskey like you recommended, didn't help their copy, maybe they're just not funny people, uh, or they don't want to be, or they could use some professional help. You do this for people, punchlinecopy.com. What kind of stuff can you help people with? If they can, of course, run with it on their own, but if they want to bring in the big guns, yeah, what do you do over there? 
one of my favorite things to do, obviously, is product description copy, especially if it's a product that I connect with. And if I don't connect with it, I'm probably not going to write for it. Throwing down a lot of like questionable supplements. <laughs> <laughs> I also really, really love writing transactional emails. Like we talked about that, you know, continuing that experience throughout the, the customer's whole quote unquote journey. That is one of my favorite things to do, writing your abandoned cart email so that it's not just like, hey, we noticed you left something in your cart, you know, or like, this is here. Did you still want it? Just like, let's go a little bit further and make it weird. Yeah. I mean, can you give an example of a couple of the ones that you've done that are a little bit, a little bit different? Yes, actually, I want to pull one up because I had a lot of fun writing with it. Uh, writing it, it was for Andy, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, <laughs> you can, and I think we're using it. You can have a lot of fun going like, "No, please, please, I'm crushed. Where are you going?" Like you could. You, there's so many different ways you could go with go with that. Yeah, and I think there's a bad way to do that too because like you don't want to pressure somebody. You can send them the opposite direction. But basically, we didn't make it about the product crying out because that is something I've written before. Like the product is so sad that you left it. Like look at it. But, but we made it about someone who works at the brand being like, "Look, Kyle was really excited that you were about to finish buying and like now he's just under his desk and he's weeping. <laughs> we can't get him out of there like and then we send follow-ups like, "Look, Kyle has been there for days. Like his mom is calling us. It's really upsetting. You know, please just finish for us. Like just just finish." You, you for could us. even put pictures of like somebody just like under a desk just you know, their hand buried in their heads and or the other way around. But yeah, you could you oh, it's awesome. I think I actually did something like that. But we want to obviously, we, you know, there are best practices in abandoned card emails. We'll like show them what they left behind and you know, explain why they want it. But if you're just going to send one for every product, yeah, make it weird. Cool. I love it. So punchlinecopy.com. Check that out. If, if, if you, you know, need some help, it has a lot of different packages to help out with. Landing page. Yeah, and snapcopy.co, I should say. Sna- my other Snapcopy.co? Yeah. Ah, I haven't heard about this. Tell me about this. Yeah. Well, this is something I co-run um, with a friend of mine who's also a conversion copywriter. And it's it's basically quick turnaround, small projects. So, you know, a pain point that we discovered throughout pretty much every market is that if you want a really great copywriter, we're all booked up and we usually like to take on bigger projects. And maybe you don't want to wait six weeks to get some headline variations to test on a page. And that's the kind of thing that Snap is for. So like you buy a little credit pack, you redeem for projects. Cool. Very cool. So you actually, you're doing something uh, this month in the very near future, Christmas in July. Can you describe that to people? Yeah. So my friend Val Geisler, who also writes a lot of e-commerce emails, and I were just like, what do we want to see e-commerce brands stop doing? And what do we want to see them do better when it comes to their holiday promotions? So we decided to do well ahead of time, Christmas in July, like what to do and what not to do for your um, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, non-denominational holiday emails. Uh, So we're going to have like a Facebook Live and we're probably going to do a little worksheet and you can ask questions and it'll be a lot of fun. Cool. And so if people are interested, is, is the idea that they you can have kind of like an actual mock Christmas in July? Or is it more like, hey, start thinking about this now. Here's what you can do so that when the actual real holiday season comes, you can just totally destroy it. Yeah. It's like, hey, start thinking about this now. Got it. It makes sense. If people want to get the information on that, be involved, where's the best place for them to learn about that? They can go to punchlinecopy.com slash Christmas, which is a page that I haven't made yet, but I will. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great. Well, before we, we close this out, you up for doing doing a lightning round and then potentially something even a little bit different at the end of that? I'm so ready. <laughs> awesome. All right. Feel free to just one word answers or you know short, short one sentence answers. What's something you have changed your mind about recently? Dating my boyfriend. Uh, ooh. So uh, it's not, that's not happening anymore? Oh, it wasn't. And then it was. And then it wasn't again. Keep changing my mind. Oh, good luck, boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think Amazon should be broken up by the government? I kind of do, but I also like don't trust the government to do a good job of that. <laughs> I don't know what weird <laughs> political affiliation that puts me along <laughs> along with, but like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust anything that gets too big. That's weird. <laughs> Doesn't have to be the favorite, but one of your top maybe five favorite products you've ever written product copy for. Oh, Manly Bands is definitely up there. I really like writing for boring products or you know things that people think are boring, like sprinklers and sprinkler supplies. And what are you currently spending too much money on? My house. I bought a house in October and boy, is that expensive. Yeah, they, they tend to rack up the bills, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. What's something you're not spending enough money on? I don't Therapy? Probably. That's, that's real. <laughs> What's your favorite physical object that you own? So like I, I considered this answer, my laptop, like because it allows me to connect with everyone and do the work I love. But also I was like my cat, but he's not an object and he would resent that. Your cat's kind of a physical object. He does like to be I mean, carried so, around. Yeah, you know, and uh, like I'm not for you, but for some people like purse accessories and stuff, you know, I guess it's more dogs, isn't it? Oh, you can have a backpack with a cat in it. They have these little like space backpacks where they have a little window to look out. I'm sure they hate it the whole time. Now that would be a fun product to write yes, copy for. Yes, exactly. Send that my way. <laughs> Anyone listening that sells cat carrier backpacks, talk to Leah. What's the maximum number of days you can wear a pair of jeans without washing them? Ah, uh, I gotta say, like three. Wow, is that too many? High... No, you're on the on the ridiculously hygienic side of the scale for most people. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> Fairly people not as clean as you. And finally, what's one of the top three items on your bucket list, something you want to do before you die? I want to front a cover band. I love to sing, but I don't write music and I want to sing other people's songs. Cool. That's a fun one. Well, we're going to wrap this up. But if you're listening, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a live pun war to end things out. Never done this before. Zelena loves puns. She made, I mean, you must have dropped half a dozen really bad puns in your in your talk at UCF Live. And I say that in the most complimentary manner, as hopefully you take that, because you, as you said, like the worse the groan, the better the pun, right? Yeah. Right. So we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to wrap up the episode here, roll the credits, do the funky, crazy music. But then if you want to stick around and listen to a pun war, a live pun war that might go on for a little while, stick around and we'll... Uh, You'll hear that at the very end. So one other thing, if you're in ECF Live, or if you're in not e-commerce, the community rather, I'm going to link up to the slide deck for Lena's presentation, as well as her uh, her video talk at ECF Live. So if you are a member, you can go ahead and get access to that. And again, make sure to check out punchlinecopy.com and snapcopy.co for some of those shorter, snappier projects for copywriting. This has been a lot of fun. You're always, always enjoyed talking to you. It's always, it's always a blast. Thanks for coming on to talk copy. Thank you. So much fun. If you're listening to this and you own your own e-commerce business, and chances are probably pretty good that you do if you've gotten this far through the episode, you need to check out our private community for store owners. It's a, a vetted group of over a thousand store owners and experienced professionals. And the reason it's different is, is just like I mentioned, it's vetted. We go through and we require all new members have a seven-figure business. They actually have experience in the space. And we go through and we review our applications to make sure everyone's legit when they come in. And then once everyone gets inside, it's not a free-for-all. We, we moderate in ways where if people are being jerks or you know behaving inappropriately, we toss them out. If people come in and do nothing but ask questions, we toss them out. We really value experience. We value reciprocity. And it's a place where you're going to be able to connect with other store owners to learn what's working, but also make good friends. Like some of my best friends I have met through this community. And I know that others can say that as well. So 
If you're interested in learning more and applying for membership, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. That's F-O-R-U-M. And of course, I want to give a huge thank you to the two sponsors who make this show possible. First, to Liquid Web, who offers the absolute best place to host your WooCommerce store online, a scalable, rock-solid platform. If you want to learn more about them and how they can supercharge your WooCommerce store, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. And also to the team over at Klaviyo, who makes email automation incredibly easy and powerful. You can get started for free and test drive their platform at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Klaviyo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate your time and you following the podcast and looking forward to catching you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight knit vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time. This is the ASY Radio Network Live from New York. All right. You stuck around for the pun war. Well done, you. Congratulations. This may be very embarrassing, but we'll see how this goes. Uh, Leanna, okay, we both just picked some random words from a random word generator to pun off of, right? So ear, rifle, and brick. We'll start with ear. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? And so the rules, I guess I should say before we do this is we each going to go back and forth and try to have some kind of comp- you know, discussion or insult war or something. And you have to be able to use a pun every time you go back and forth. And if there's a five to 10 second period where you can't come up with a pun, then you lose that one. And we'll do the best two out of three. So whoever is able to not lose two out of three rounds will be our crown champion. Sound good? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like so competitive, <laughs> but also not good under pressure. So here we go. All right. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, it's uh, this has been a great episode. Like you've just you've waxed so pe- so poetically about uh, copy. It's been impressive. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that our listeners were able to hear what's going on in the world of e-commerce. You got to use the word itself first. Come on. Man. Oh, sorry, I couldn't. He- I couldn't hear that. What was that? What did you say? Wait, really? <laughs> Are you using here as a pun? Okay, you know, cash flow. I think you could decide the winner. Um, look, I know you're just trying to drum up more listeners. Andrew, but it's not working. Oh, no. Oh, I think I just fell. In the, I'm totally out of balance here and just fell over. Oh. Well, maybe you need to work on your oral comprehension. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> huh? Sounds like I'm hearing a tyranny oh. of crickets over there. <laughs> <laughs> Round one goes to, goes to you. Well done. Well done. Man, that's the worst when you're getting there and you're trying to come up with something. All right. Oh, I know. Uh, second <laughs> one, rifle. So you can go ahead since I did first. It's kind of do or die now. I got to perform. Um, yeah. All right. You can go. You can go. Uh, you can start this off for rifle. All right. I guess I'll, I'll I'll shoot for the stars. Oh man, I feel like I'm. I feel like I've been the butt of your jokes like this whole whole episode. And I don't appreciate that. Well, you've been pretty off target. Ooh. Well, you've had me. You know, I have, but you've had me in your sights the entire time. I'm trying to, uh, uh, man, wait, no. 
<laughs> this is that point where I you like know. fireball. It's like, yeah. that's like ten seconds. Uh, let me give you the bullet points of how to win this contest. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> you're so close. Oh man. I don't know. I might have just lost that. You can you can you, talk that up. No, as no, a no, no. You got it. you're still in your stem, but you were you were definitely stalking uh you know, you're definitely stalking the loss right there. Uh I feel triggered. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I, I this is so hard. I feel like I'm like just looking down the barrel of a gun right now. There's so much pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think if I were you, I would bolt. Oh, <laughs> oh, I think you win. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dang it. And, uh, man, I didn't even get one. And our crown champion for our first ever live pun off <laughs> on air. so many. I think it was a draw. No, it was, really not a draw. Not. <laughs> it was not a draw. It was not a draw. Well, this is, this is maybe good, too, because I was looking at Brick, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have zero puns for Brick. So, yeah. yeah. I think you're saving us some embarrassment. Anyway, well done. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> impressive. Breaks. Um, let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> we had the, uh, what was it, when we were, you and I were both at a conference in Austin, Austin, Texas, and somehow uh, we got together at, at, at you know, uh, something, one of the evening things with four or five, three or four of us, and uh, we're doing something similar. What were we doing? Was it like a giving sales pitches on the fly when people gave oh, things or something? It was Yes! That was so much fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And that's kind of what I was thinking about that when I was like, let's see, hmm, of all the people that come on, who would be up for a live pun war? Not many, but I bet uh, Leanna would. So. And, and so were you. <laughs> oh, I was up for getting destroyed like I told you I would. So um, anyway, thank you for coming on the episode again. If you stuck around this long to listen to our crazy off uh, totally random thing, I'm guessing, hopefully, I'm guessing this is probably the first, the first live pun off on a podcast most people have heard. Thank you for listening. And thanks again for coming on to Talk Coffee. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.